And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Monday evening, about 7 o'clock here in the DMV. The DMV, of course, not including Baltimore, for those of you who saw a certain tweet today. Um, so, um, obviously, a lot going on here in the end in the NFL world, the, the commanders are they're getting back into the swing of things. The second round of interviews are being scheduled. Two that we know of so far that will be in person with Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn and Buccaneers defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. Any potential second interviews, likely ones, with anybody who's still in the playoffs, including... Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald are on hold until next week, assuming that they are, um, uh, well, they can talk, but uh, yeah, they're, they're on hold till next week because it's the, the bye week for the Super Bowl. Uh, and anybody who's still alive in the playoffs at that point can't be hired. So we'll see how long we have to wait here for Washington. If it is going to be um, a Ben Johnson, which is the, the buzz, I well, I'll get more to that in a minute. In any event, my guest today, our friend Nikki Jabala with the Washington Post at Nikki N I C K I J H A B V A L A on Twitter. Uh, Nikki was in Detroit for the Lions each of their last two games for the Washington Post. So we'll we'll talk about uh, Ben Johnson, her impression of not just the play caller, but like being around the guy. Uh, the, you know what she sort of gauged. Uh, from the Lions overall about uh, this guy who is you know potentially going to be Washington's next head coach. We'll also talk about the news today that Ron Rivera is being interviewed by the Philadelphia Eagles for their defensive coordinator position. And we also get into the uh, the notion of with what we saw with the Green Bay Packers and how they've handled Jordan Love. What does that mean possibly for Washington with the number to quarterback and a bunch more. So we'll get to that in a moment here on the podcast, which of course you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Uh, I will have a new story up on Tuesday, essentially a to-do list for Adam Peters slash this next coach uh, for what what's on tap for them. There's a lot to get to. It isn't just the job isn't done just because a new head coach will be hired here in the coming days. They have got a lot more work to do. So we will uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go through what I think are some of the important topics. And uh, you can check that out on The Athletic. Uh, so as I mentioned, second round of defensive coordinator interviews have, uh, well, I shouldn't say they have begun, but the opportunity has begun. Um, it has been a slow process around the league, I suspect in part because Teams are waiting on Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh, not even necessarily if they are involved with those teams. But, you know, if if somehow Bill Belichick doesn't go to Atlanta, 
well then what happens who who then becomes the um the, the leading candidate could it be ben johnson is it jim harbaugh who's interviewed with them mike vrabel uh you know others uh, the, you know it could be a, a a wide range of options same thing with the chargers and jim harbaugh he you know is he going to accept that position he could still go back to michigan and unless until those I think probably those two jobs in particular are filled. It feels like everything else to a degree is going to be on hold. Now, look, maybe, you know, Seattle, Seattle just uh, lost their offensive coordinator, Shane Walder, and he's going to the bears where presumably I would think he's going to coach Caleb Williams, the, the, the likely number one pick in the draft. I don't know if I see Shane Walder and going to Chicago, if it's Justin Fields, even if the bears haven't decided, there's probably a good reason to think it will be, um, Caleb Williams, and not to mention if the Bears have a down year, the head coach, Matt Eberflus, could be fired and Waldron could be the guy to step in. In any event, my point is that Seattle is, you know, does does Waldron suggest that Seattle has got an, a, a coach in mind? I think uh, I, I've talked before about Dave Canales, the quarterback coach with Tampa Bay who was with Seattle. Sorry, the Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator who was with Seattle. Um the, uh, right up until this past year, could it be him, an offensive mind, leaving Waldron potentially to be out with a job? Dan Quinn was the original thought, though, when they let Pete, when they had reassigned Pete Carroll. So is Dan Quinn still that guy? I, you know, he entered before the Harbaugh's and Belichick's and Vrabel's got involved. He was kind of the the 1B to Ben Johnson's 1A. Is that still the same? Um, We'll see. The uh, Carolina Panthers, just before I started the podcast today, announced that they are hiring, in, they're making an internal hire, they're making Dan Morgan, I don't know if it was essentially a GM title, but he was essentially going to be the head of their personnel de- department. He's been a longtime respected uh, talent evaluator, it was kind of like, felt like a matter of time before he got a job somewhere. So uh, Dan Morgan, but I think they're going to hire a president of ops. I've mentioned before Brant Tillis or Alec Hallaby. Tillis the with the Chiefs, Hallaby the Eagles, and um, I, you know I've been like sort of mock drafting this the whole time, and that was the combination I've had Morgan with evaluator and either Tillis or Hallaby on that side. What does any of that mean though for their head coaching position? I think that's still a big, a big question mark. Um, you know, uh, we'll have to see. Uh, you know, does Ben Johnson get interested if if uh, owner David Tepper throws him a ton of money does David Tepper have to sort of do what Dan Snyder did the last couple of times give more give more power and money to candidates to get to consider him when they may not have considered the job otherwise you know uh, is that how you get a Mike Vrabel to Carolina so we will have to see about that I think Tennessee is going still going down a path of a a, a an assistant slash coordinator, but like somebody who's probably not getting mentioned at the higher stakes tables, I guess, like a Brian Callahan from the Bengals, maybe Bobby Slowick from the Texans. Uh, you know, so I think those are the ones to, you know, I think those, I think Tennessee probably doesn't matter a ton to Washington's fate, but I do think the Dominoes from Atlanta, the Clippers, the Clippers, <laughs> the Chargers, and to some degree, the Panthers will impact Washington the most, but we'll see Uh, who knows what Seattle wants to do. And then, you know, even when they hire the coach, you got to go out and get coordinators, you know, if it's a Ben Johnson, 
you know, does he bring somebody over from Detroit to help him feel comfortable or, you know, help, you know, spread the gospel of what he's trying to do. I saw the NFL network today said that if Ben Johnson goes somewhere, Lions offensive line coach, Hank Fraley may be going with him as the OC. Uh, The Lions, I believe, allowed the uh, tied for fourth, uh, fewest sacks allowed this year. And, uh, you know, obviously that's something that Washington would need if 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 Ben Johnson is the play caller and offensive coordinator in that setup is really sort of dealing with more um, of the you know sort of more of the day to day in practice type basics rather than the the, the play calling. Uh, so you know having somebody who's familiar with what Ben Johnson's looking to do would go a long way. But you know who knows if it's not you know if it's more of a if it's a defensive coach then maybe it is like a Brian Greasy from San Francisco or. Some coaches, you know, currently sort of out of football, like a Byron Leftwich, uh, you know, former quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator with the uh, with the Bucks. Uh, you know, obviously a DC area guy. Could he be a, the type of coach that gets a look from someone? We will see about that. Um, otherwise, you know, we're in. It's it feels like it's both you know hurry up and wait kind of mode. We're every moment there's constant. If you're on Twitter, you see it. There's constant news about this interview is happening, that interview is going to happen, this person's meeting with this team. And at some point, the game of musical chairs will stop. But right now, it doesn't feel like it's going to happen for Washington this week because of the inability to meet with Ben Johnson, McDonald, uh, Lions defensive coordinator Eric Glenn, and Ravens defensive line coach Anthony Weaver all still playing. Um, I am also curious, will they bring in other people? Four interviews, uh, because again, they made that original list before Adam Peters came on board, have not heard of anything yet. I, I, I think it's conceivable, at least for fact-finding purposes. But at the end of the day, you know, if they really do have their heart set on Ben Johnson, maybe they don't feel the need to do that at this point. Um, and that's kind of it. We do talk about the playoffs a bit in, in there. I, I thought there was some really interesting games to say this weekend uh needless to say um guy i kind of legitimately feel bad for buffalo they are just you know i mean they 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 are just constantly getting maybe snake bits the wrong term obviously the franchise has been tortured another wide right kick uh this one cost them overtime or potentially overtime mahomes would have had 90 seconds or so to drive down for a field goal. And, you know, history says he's going to make that, uh, or he's going to get that done. Plus the chiefs offense was just dominant against a really beat up bills, uh, bills team. I I do want to say though, that like somebody texted me in the league over the weekend, watching those games and, and, and and some of the other games and just the Ravens as well. And kind of noting, you know, you can pay a quarterback a lot of money, and still have a good team. It isn't either or. And sometimes I know that is the way the conversation gets shaped because, of course, this one person at one position takes up so much space. But you look at Kansas City and Buffalo. They have two quarterbacks to make a ton of money. And one difference between the two teams right now, beyond, say, injuries, is what is ha- what they have done to complement and supplement those quarterbacks. Uh, our, guy, our guy, Mike Sando, uh, pointed this out in his... Uh, column today that I referenced a couple of times when I was talking with Nikki. Since 2019, the Chiefs' average age on their roster has gotten younger. The Bills has gotten older. 
And one reason for that is simply that Kansas City has found starters with their draft picks, whereas the Bills have struggled to do that. Um, Sando stat showed that there were 35 players in the game on Sunday who logged at least 10 snaps. Of of the eight oldest, seven played for Buffalo. Um, the Chiefs, they had the fifth best, they had the fifth best defense in terms of EPA this year, despite having eight starters drafted since 2020, including guys like Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis and Nick Bolton, who've all been key contributors for this defense. The Bills have have tried to draft like we like with Washington's offensive line we talk sometimes like they've ignored it they haven't ignored it it just hasn't worked whether it's your Sadiq Charles's your your Jaron Christians we'll see what happens to a Ricky Stromberg Braden Daniels didn't look particularly sharp this summer uh and and so on they have not been able to find other pieces and that has been an issue and Buffalo's had the same issue Buffalo had ultimately Buffalo's had to go out and sign veterans to help offset the fact that some of their younger players have not been delivering. And according to um, Sando, Buffalo had 10 defensive players earning at least $3.5 million this season. Kansas City only had three. So Kansas City is getting production. It's cheaper. And they're younger guys who, you know, the younger players going to, in theory, you know, be able to sustain energy and their level of their level of energy and performance over the course of 60 minutes where the older guys are going to perhaps start to wear out a gas. We may have seen some of that in the game yesterday. Kansas City, you know, should have had even more points. They had the one fumble out of the end zone um and and so on. So um my only point is to say we're at the we're at the beginning stages of Adam Peters and whoever this new head coach will be putting together a new roster and at some point, you know, if they draft a quarterback at two, at some point, the goal is for that quarterback to be good enough to give them that massive extension. And the key will be, okay, now what? How do you fill in the gaps around that player? The Ravens have obviously been able to do that with Lamar Jackson as well. So, uh, you know, that's going to be, uh, you know, that's going to be huge eventually. I, we're not there yet. We don't have to worry about it. But my point is, uh, even to like Buffalo, where you know we, we're viewing them as this real contender, which they have been, but you know they've been kind of leaking oil a bit over the last couple of years. While Kansas City, even though this year was not a vintage Chiefs team, their defense played really well, and they, you know, Patrick Mahomes still makes enough plays. It looked like more vintage Mahomes this week, uh, but this is part of the whole plan. It isn't just about who do you, you know. It's not just about your quarterback, though. But that's the most important thing. But uh, it's everything else. How do you find these people? What would you have a cohesive plan? All that's about to come under, uh, under, um, or all that's about to come in play. Once we start to see what Adam Peters will do, we've got a little bit of time for that. By the way, I should note uh, next week at this point, Monday uh, will be the, essentially the beginning of the senior bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Don't know yet who will be there for Washington, but I have to assume Adam Peters will be going, even though, I mean, unless the coaching situation has not been resolved, I, I, I would have to kind of think that Peters, I don't know, he's either going to uh, 
be part of, he's going to stay behind. And then if he stays behind, then what, you know, Washington still has people on staff, but they're the people who were here, not Adam Peters people. Um, You know, he's going to, again, trust. This isn't the FBI. When I say, you know, is he going to trust the evaluation of these people? It's not like, you know, state secrets. He's obviously already been paying attention to the draft himself while he was with San Francisco. But, you know, these are these opportunities to have face-to-face meetings with prospects. Is he giving that up? I would imagine he's going to be in Mobile at some point. How does that work, though, while if the coaching search is still going on? Remains to be seen. If Detroit wins this week, I mean, Ben Johnson couldn't be hired for another couple of weeks. So how does, you know, how does that go, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot to consider. There will be a lot of moving pieces over these next couple of weeks, and we're excited to see what happens. I know I am for sure. All right, I'm excited also to get to my conversation with Nikki. Uh, we'll do that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, as promised to uh, help us discuss the commander's coaching search and what we think about the NFL playoffs is our pal Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post who made the brilliant decision to get away from the cold weather here by going to Detroit. Uh, please don't plan my vacations. But you did get to watch some good football. I did. They did. Two, it was yeah, it was a good game. Both yeah. games in Detroit were really good. Yeah, you, I, I you know, I, I, what is the? Like, I know, like when athletes play on the road at games, they actually have to like pay taxes to the state that they're playing in, or at least in the NBA, this is how this works. I think it's NFL right. too. Yeah. Do you, have we reached a point now with two games in Detroit that you have to start doing this as well, or? I have to start paying taxes. God, I hope not. I'm on a media salary. That'd be brutal. Um, I hope not. I can't do. Tri- I can't. Four or five days in Detroit. Kudos to people in Michigan, man. That is tough. Four to five days in I Michigan came, in, yeah. in January. Yeah, I came home and it was what 34 here, and I'm like, oh, call me. Like this is great. Right, perspective is everything, right? Just like whether we're talking about. Uh, how good or bad somebody on the commanders might be as well as the weather. And uh, yeah, it, it's not, it's not been great here, but then I looked at the weather in Detroit and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll make do. Yeah. Um, The um before we're going to talk about the coaches, all that stuff, but we did have some news about the guy that was the coach here, Ron Rivera. Mm-hmm. He um is interviewing, going to be interviewed for the Eagles defensive coordinator job. Now he told us, well, let me rephrase this. He said at the end of the year that he enjoyed getting back to coaching as opposed to managing. Intentionally dropping that one out there at the very end. Yes. I would note that he was in charge for four years and could have inserted himself at any time, but okay. That aside, he then told John Kime that he's got some opportunities. All right, we'll see. Well, now one of those is the Eagles defensive coordinator position. Uh, I saw that you wrote about this right before we came on. I didn't have a chance to, to look at it, so I don't know what you had in there. But he interviewed today. That was yeah. Okay, so do you? I mean, you know, obviously, look, Ron Rivera is a notable name. He's been a defensive coordinator yep. for well for many respected. times. Yeah, he's sure. been coordinator. He's well respected. There are multiple um, coordinator openings. Uh, I think a lot of teams are waiting on head coaches to see how those dominoes fall. Um, but, you know, I think Ron, I think will find something if he wants it. And as you know, in some sort of coaching capacity or in media, if he wants that, I just think he's 
he's still very well respected within the league um, and with those affiliated with the league. So it would make sense. And he didn't seem like when we talked to him in that final presser, he did not seem ready to just, you know, go into retirement and spend his life golfing in Tahoe, which sounds lovely, but um, he seemed very much in the football mindset still. Isn't his dog named Tahoe? It is Tahoe because they like Lake Tahoe. Yeah, that 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 yeah. I I choose that, but um, especially if I uh, you know was fortunate to have made the 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 the, the salary I believe he's making the last uh, few years. Yeah. Um, okay, that said, I mean, like obviously, you know, the Eagles had a major decline. We, you know, he, I mean, their decline was even worse than Washington's on some level, considering the expectations and and the ten and one start. Um, and again, I get Rivera, but like other than the last five games, which didn't go well, not saying because of his coaching, it just per se just didn't go well. He has not called a game since 2019. And obviously, you know, there was a reason Carolina got rid of him. I, I I don't know that I see him being like the guy you turn to if you're a contender and say, get us over the get us over the top. We haven't seen who else they're interviewing yet, I guess. So I don't right. know. But I, I guess I'm going to go skeptical that this is actually a, a real thing. But I'm happy to be proven wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think like with most things in the NFL and really anywhere, same with media, you know, a lot of it's built on connections who, you know, um, and Ron still has connections in Philly from his time there. So I think anything's possible. I sort of agree with you that it doesn't on paper, doesn't seem like the greatest fit. I just think they're Philly's approach. Um, they're more analytically driven. Um, you know, I just, I think a lot of what they do is, probably different from what Ron has done in the past, but again, it's, it's a connections business and, you know, we'll see. He is, I, I will say that Ron and tell me if you agree, but I do think Ron is still good at motivating players and getting them to work hard. I think this last year became in some ways problematic in that because he wasn't as hands-on as he was in years past, but I think players still speak very highly of Ron and their time with them. So, you know, that could be good for a locker room. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can all say whatever we want about what happened over these four years, but even till the end, I think the players, I got, it wasn't like, it wasn't like they were like completely uh, stopped trying for him or stopped. Or, I mean, they still did all the way till the end. They just, at some point, just, you know, <laughs> it became there that they, they, they were playing, um, you know, with with the small deck and everybody else was was just going to beat them. So there there's that. Um. All right. Well, we'll see. I'm curious to see what other opportunities he gets. Again, I'd be stunned. I guess if he's the one that Philly ends up with. But hey, if nothing else, if you're the Eagles, it's good fact finding. Talk to the guy who was just running the yeah. entire operation for your rival right. and has been around the new owner for six months or whatever. So, right. yeah. um, all that makes sense. Um, we don't have to get into it too much, but since I haven't had you on since he, Ron did talk to uh. Our friend John Kime at ESPN a couple week, a week or so ago. Um, did you make anything out of that particular uh, interview? Um, I kind of skimmed it because I was in the middle of Detroit stuff. But, I mean, not really. I mean, I kind of was irked at some of the comments about sort of blaming media like it was our fault. But whatever. Wait, I don't know. Well, that's because you go to the school that says, as, as a reporter slash human being, 
we should try to interpret the words that other people are saying to us. But I mean, you know, that that's a clearly a crazy way to look at how how society yeah. works, let alone reporters and yeah. uh, and coaches. Yeah. No, I mean, it was. Yeah, I didn't really know what to make of it. I mean, there's some. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that he kind of said in his presser, his final presser too. Um, but and I guess some other st- stuff you could kind of take as excuse making. But he did say, you know, I'm at the top. I'm I'm. This falls onto me basically, but you know, it was it was a little bit hedging there. So a little bit. Um. All right. I'll I'll I'll, I'll take you off the hook for that. Let me ask you this. So he talked about how in the end he wishes he had coached more and maybe managed less. And we all acknowledge that first year in particular between his own cancer uh, situation and the craziness of all the things that were happening that year, he had to manage probably more than he had to coach no matter what. Um, And maybe even to some degree in 2021 recovering from uh, the the treatments and, and things like that. But overall, um, the you know the we we all kind of view now that the coach centric thing did not work and would probably be collectively saying to Josh Harris, don't do that again. Yeah. Let that pass. That said, if you look at the playoffs, I'm stealing here from uh, Mike Sando's uh, Monday column. Um, he noted that of the 14 playoff head coaches, so seven called offensive plays, three defensive plays, and the other four are essentially in this CEO model. They are John Harbaugh. Dan Campbell, Mike Tomlin, and Nick Sirianni. Now, obviously, if you're a playoff team, I don't know that Dan Campbell is CEO. I mean, Brad Holmes is involved. Well, I mean, not necessarily in not not coach centric per se, but like he's not oh, calling like plays on offense. Overseer type. Yeah, yeah, he's not calling okay. plays on offense. Got it. I mean, like yeah. obviously, John Harbaugh has Eric DaCosta. Um, so yeah, yeah. So it's not exactly the same because Rivera had, in theory, final say on personnel. But I just mean like he's not calling plays on either side right, right. of. Got you of the ball but part of what his art what the article goes into is like all the ways that john harbaugh worked effectively in that role it's not just sort of letting other people do these things like this year the extreme was enemy had full say over everything and um you know rivera as he's admitting saying he didn't really have a lot to do with helping the defense week to week um when del rio was there so this whole system this idea can work and we talk about this because Everybody wants to know, is Washington going to get an offensive guy? Are going to get a defensive coach? Or potentially some sort of manager of men? Do, do you, after having now got, you know covered the playoffs the last couple of weeks, not to mention several years, do, do, do you have like a feel like all things being equal, you would rather have the offense, the defense, the manager? Do, do you see, especially again with Dan Campbell, clearly an emotional, motivating kind of a guy? Right. Um. I think it matters most if you have a quarterback and you can make most situations work. If you have a quarterback, like Bellatrix, not the greatest talent. I would not talent evaluator, but he does. He's had some pretty bad picks over the years, but he had Tom Brady and I'm not saying Tom Brady is the only reason I think Bill Belichick is hall of fame coach, no doubt. Um, But when you have a quarterback, it can mask a lot of deficiencies and that system can work. If you have a quarterback, I mean, does that quarterback can make any system work, right? Um, I think it sort of takes a perfect storm. Like if you're looking at the Lions situation, you know, they have a good play caller, but they also have really good talent on offense. You look at that line, like, you know, 
it's a really great line and they've developed talent. So, and I mean, they're clearly in lockstep in their decisions with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. So they're all aligned. Um, I think when things start to go awry in any organization is when there's not, as Adam Peters would say, they're not um, visually aligned. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think it's more than just the structure. I think you have to look at sort of the gray area there. It's, it's the talent on the field and is on, is everybody on the same page? Now, I think the, one of the reasons it did not work in Washington, um, was because they didn't have enough difference of opinion at the top, um, and I think in in turn you could also argue that they didn't have a strong enough talent evaluator at the top. Um, they brought in a couple good players, but a lot of their personnel decisions were misses. Um, so they they clearly didn't have the strong enough talent evaluation to find those players and enough difference of opinion to be like, no, we shouldn't take this player. Maybe we should look at whatever. Um, and and Ron early on was dealing with a lot and that's not his fault, certainly, but you know, you, you have to delegate and you have to have the right people to delegate too. So, I mean, this is my long winded way of saying that I, I don't think it's a, it's a structure that doesn't work like point blank does not work. I think it can work. It's you have to have these other things in place though. And the teams that have been successful in this model have had those other things in place. Right. Um, you know, in, in the case of Harbaugh, the way Sando was writing about it was like, yeah, they have changed coordinators a ton of times. Obviously Harbaugh has been there now for a long time. They have gone over, you know, because he's not calling either side of the ball and they've been largely right. successful. They're constantly losing people or he, you know, he decided to move on from Wink Martindale a couple, yep. a couple years ago to bring in Mike McDonald, who we'll get to. Um, so there, it is something to be said. It is like we view personnel as sort of uh, the the players, but there is something to be said for the coaches as well. And we don't have to get into it again. But clearly, when the Commanders thing came like too yeah. too much, like you said, there wasn't enough people either not sorry disagreeing for the sake of disagreeing, but not enough people challenging whatever was being discussed for a variety of reasons. And I think the Ravens have done a good job. Uh, clearly of that we'll see what the lions do because both of their top coordinators are up for jobs uh this year uh and all right like something with the ravens and the lions too different structures obviously but they've done a really good job of establishing their identity and sticking with it i think one of the things that became problematic in washington is is it felt like every year it was a different model they were trying to trying to, you know, go after it was, we want to recreate the Panthers. No, we want to be more like the bills. No, we want to be more like the chiefs and we want speed. No, we want young players. No, we want older players. We want, you know, different things every year. So it's impossible to build any sort of consistency and develop players like that. Um, yeah, no, a hundred, a hundred percent. Um, all right. So, uh, look, I would be naive to not, take advantage of the fact that you've been around Ben Johnson now for several days. We, uh, I don't think we, we need to discuss whether he can call a play or two. I think that's been established over the course of the last two years. And, you know, he's put up points in these, in these playoffs as well. I think the question for me in line of what we just discussed of the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or sort of manager is 
what is the command of this of these coordinators these these never been head coaches when it comes to talking to the players obviously you can't presumably you didn't see that but you were in the press conferences he was in you talked to other you talked to people around there so give me your give me your sense there where are you at with ben johnson leader of men uh, if he's going to potentially get that job and um i at the moment it seems like he is the one to beat for washington i don't think it's as clear cut as adam peters one but okay um he so that that's why it matters so what's your sense of that presence does he have one could you tell yeah i think I mean, he's no Dan Campbell, right? He's not that type. Joseph, pipe down. Um, that's why. That's why we have you here to give those uh, uh, hubcap uh, or kneecap speeches for in the in the press room. Um, but I think he leads in the way that he puts a lot of trust in his players. Um, a lot of guys said he's very collaborative in the sense that he uses a the feedback that players give them, you know, and, and like any co- good coordinator does, you know, the players are the ones on the field. They know what they're saying. You can't, you don't have a full view on the sideline. So he'll take into account what players are are telling him. And, you know, he'll, if a player feels strongly about a play, then, you know, he, he strongly consider running it. Um, so I, and I think players appreciate that. They said they did. Um, he's very vocal about ben johnson i think he feels strongly about this matter um did you want to weigh in no um but i i think the other thing that really stood out just in my conversations with with players in detroit was how they all said he's a very clear communicator he's very precise and detailed about what he's looking for and uh, how he wants it and when he wants it and that i mean that's you see that in the way they play you know they're very in sync Joey, they're very in sync um, and they're very detailed in, in how they run things. And you keep so seeing it, you keep seeing in sync and Joey is Joey Fatone over there or something. I like what you did there. Joey, come here, buddy. Come here. He hates when I go on these zooms and I give somebody else attention and not him. So Joey, stop it. Say <laughs> That's that's why we that's why we uh why we love them. Um, all right. So yeah, I mean, I, I so I guess like to so to that end, if you know, based on your you know now your expertise of having been around this guy for a few days, Josh Harris says to you, you know, what's your best guess? Because that's the thing here. You know, being a coordinator is not the same as being a head coach. It's very different skill sets, and that's why sometimes for some it's better to be the play caller. For others, it's to be that manager. You know, uh, overseeing everything. Um, but it's got to be some combination. You don't hire Ben Johnson to not call the plays, but if he's the head coach and he has to do these other things as well. So, you know, do you have enough, I guess it's hard to say if you have enough evidence, I get it, but like, you know, do you have enough thought as to, do you think ultimately that would make sense for Washington for him to handle all those duties? Yeah. You hire Ben Johnson to call plays. That's end of story. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, his strength. I mean, he's unknown as a head coach, but his strength clearly is play calling. Um, so yeah, he would, I have no doubt that he would do both. Um, and then you'd have a coordinator who would be, you know, sort of that fill in role and would oversee the daily, the day to day stuff of the offense, but not call plays sort of like a Brian Callahan type. Right. And, and, and I keep thinking also that like, you know, one thing Ron said at, when he hired Jack Del Rio, which I think makes sense is 
it helps to have another former head coach on staff because they, you know, to help in some ways, but also like they kind of know everything that has all the beats. Well, in the in case of a Ben Johnson or a Mike McDonald, they it would make sense because they have not done that before. Um, and you know, if he's going to do the play calling, he's going to need somebody. Maybe it's just like a, a defensive coach who's done it. He doesn't have to look over there to a degree. I mean, you, you have to keep it keep on tabs of things because you're the coach, but somebody who can just take on those responsibilities and he doesn't have to, then he can just deal with, you know, the media, whatever else is going on. And then the actual coaching. Yeah. I don't know who that would be. Um, I, I guess it depends on, especially their defensive coordinator, bringing on a more experienced guy on that side of the ball. I could totally see that. Um, or you can always, you know, bring on guys as, as senior assistants, which Ironically, Detroit has Jim Hostler as that role. Um, Jim Hostler has what, maybe limited amount of head coach. Like, well, they do also have on staff on the defensive side John Fox, the former uh, Panthers Bron so, Broncos coach. So they have voices like that. So I could see them doing something similar if they feel would it. Necessary. Would it bug you out if I threw out Adam Gase because uh, Ben Johnson uh, coached under Adam Gase? Get it? Bug that bug out. Wow. Um, wow. Um, <laughs> uh, no, you... I mean, in some ways it would make sense, you know? Um, but I I don't... I mean, anything is possible. I, I could see a different candidate in that offensive coordinator role, but maybe passing game coordinator or something of the sort. Um. So the second interviews can start this week. They've already, um, and and these can be uh, in person. Uh, Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris, at, at least uh, those two have been out there now. They can't interview any of the people who are still in the playoffs until the following Monday. And that's, that's why this thing is probably getting delayed at least until next week in terms of a hire. Um, if Ben Johnson is the one, and then somehow we're, we're, you know, this is the TV show leftovers and he's one of the 2% of the population to disappear. Who else do you think is the, uh, are you taking a longer look at? Who's a number two option behind him. Yeah. And also he's being looked at by what, like five of the seven. Well, I guess there's only six teams left. I mean, he's being, he's being looked at by almost everybody. So it's, you know, who knows for sure what yeah. he's going to do. I mean, I know people who think, Carolina he's gonna go there I don't know if I buy that but so um yeah so that's for me that's the most more interesting is like who's number yeah. two so to speak or one or one b yeah I think Dan Quinn is certainly interesting um I think you have to give Mike McDonald a really long look uh I think what he did especially you know this past weekend is pretty impressive what he's done all year really with the Ravens is really impressive, you know, and coming from, you know, I mean, he's worked with a Harbaugh for the last decade. Um, you know, and I, I don't know that there's any disputing that their operations are clearly working well. Um, so to have somebody of that caliber, I think you give a really long look. Um, but I mean, I, I do think Raheem Morris is a very good candidate. I mean, he's, He's had head coaching experience. It didn't go well, but how many head coaches have had tenures that don't go well? I mean, he's well-respected by players. Um, you know, we saw what Jalen Ramsey tweeted. You know, we I'm sure you've heard, I've heard from, from others who've just 
who feel just as um just as strongly about the work he's done um i mean the guys in detroit they also really love aaron glenn um certainly this last weekend should have helped his his running but you know if i had to i would put you know glenn and mcdonald at you know 2a 2b right there yeah i mean mcdonald feels like he's basically the defensive version of ben johnson i mean like the you know, everybody's putting out different stats to show the dominance, but basically when he's gone up against the best offenses in the league this year, or the best offensive minds that we consider, he's basically beaten everybody and yeah. done it in pretty dominant fashion. Obviously it's not just the defense when I mean, the offense is cooking, but you know, and it's not like one of those defenses where they're just stacked. Mm-hmm. They're they you know, they, they got some good players, obviously Roquan Smith and others, but it is not like some, you know, it's not like we're looking at, say, even Washington going into the year. We're like, wow, they got those four first round picks on the defensive line. Look out! Um, yeah. And yet somehow they're they're making it uh, they're making it work. But I don't know. I I I, I kind of wonder if McDonald is also the Ben Johnson this year. Like he doesn't decide to not do anything. Like wait another year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at how well that that group is doing. You know, he can. He's probably the type that can wait for a situation he feels is really right. And still be just as coveted next year. So, la- all right. So, last one here. So, the Packers obviously they come short against the 49ers. Looked like they were going to get them. That they were winning pretty much the whole game. But you know, ultimately, San Fran's the better overall team, and that bore out in the end. But I think the big takeaway is that Jordan Love looks like he's the real deal. Now, that may not be MVP level like the, the two guys that that preceded him, but you know, you have a good quarterback in this league. That's enough. And it would be insane if three years in a row, three, not three years, three times in a row, they yeah. get a quarterback that lasts a it's long time. They is good at finding quarterbacks. Yeah. What's been interesting, of course, is that none of them were anointed immediately as the starter. I mean, even far, if it wasn't as long as Rogers and, and love, but he wasn't, you know, he was a second round pick. He got traded, whatever. He wasn't like the guy day one. Rogers sits for several years. Love sits for several years. I get that, it, and they were able to do that because they were sitting behind a, a star player, but it's also yeah. the team's decision to do that. They could have panicked and said, no, no, Favre, get out. We're going to start Rodgers day one or whatever. W- Washington has the number two pick. It's going to be a lot of people are going to be like D- Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whatever. That guy's got to start. Put him in. There's going to be a ton of pressure, and the, 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 the owners, the front office, they all might feel it. I'm of the opinion that you you make the determination that this guy's not playing in year one. Now, if you think he can, that's one thing, but like I'm not forcing it. And I'm pointing to Green Bay and I'm pointing to Mahomes and I'm pointing to Carson Palmer and others and saying, this works pretty well, at least for a year for Lord. You know, where are you at on on if on you the- have that veteran that is proven and can win games like you know, Green Bay did with Favre, like they did with Rodgers, like the Chiefs had with Alex Smith, and like if you have a guy already in place, you know, can win with, yeah, it's a wonderful luxury to have to be able to sit him. But if, I mean, who does? So what if, right, right. Totally get that. So what if it's like Jacoby Brissett or even if it's a Sam Howell, let's let Sam Howell do it again. If assuming that they think there's something there to, you know, some more talent to mind under a new setup or whatever, better offensive line, things like that. I mean, you're right. There's no point in going out and getting Kirk Cousins and taking a quarterback at two. So it's either, either or, but, just sticking to a plan. We're not playing this guy. Or do you say to hell with it? Other guys have gotten yeah. thrown into the deep. It's CJ Stroud, obviously, right off the bat, is one of the better quarterbacks in the league already. 
but again, you know, those guys are sitting there learning behind seasoned vets, you know, will this number two pick learn a ton behind Sam Howell, who has started for all of one season. I mean, I think get, you know, slowing down the acclimation period. I think that's probably beneficial to every quarterback, but I don't know that every team has that luxury. I don't think Washington does now they, it depends obviously on, like you said, if they try to go get a veteran and I would think that Kirk cousins is too costly as sort of that bridge quarterback who knows he's coming off an Achilles. And then do you want to sort of waste a year um, as you let the kids sit when you've invested how many millions of dollars in them and have them for four or five years? Um, that's that's a toss up. That's why Adam Peters is getting paid the big bucks. Well, you know, whatever Mr. Peters wants to think, that's his problem. But I'm saying... I don't know who I'm with you. It, it, it probably can't be Sam Howell. If they draft a quarterback at two, I think I'm seeing what Sam Howell gets me on the trade market. I'm not saying it would be a lot, but, you know, call up the Rams and say, hey, Matthew Stafford's 50. You don't have an obvious backup. Why don't you take this guy and you'll know, Sean McVay, Sean McVay. Yeah, I then- wouldn't be so quick to give up Howell. Sorry to cut you off. I wouldn't be so quick to give up Howell. I think he's a good backup. You know he can step in and win games. I wouldn't be quick to pass that off. I think... I think like Green Bay, there's some value in stockpiling quarterbacks. Oh, sure. If they want to keep him. I'm just, I was agreeing with you that like, he may not be the guy that I want to say mentor or be the example for the, whoever I take it to. And if I'm going to bring in a Bursette or somebody else, then what am I doing with Sam Howell at that point? But sure. I mean, uh, it's not, you know, he, 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 he learned the ropes last year to a degree. So a lot of decisions. Right. Well, I, mean, I I was asking because you know yeah. you're known as a bit of a mentor, uh, you know, f- for reporters out there. So, uh, you know, such a people person. Yes, this is what this is what the people say about you. Oh. Um, all right. Well, look, great job as always. Uh, follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki Jabvala, J H A B V A L A. There's an I in the first name. Two eyes actually in the first name. Wow, how about that? Um, and uh, <laughs> read her on the what's that? It's all about me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right. There's no I in uh, team, but there is two in Nikki. So that says a lot right there. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Go follow, go read her at the Washington Post. Uh, appreciate you coming in all jet lagged and everything. And uh, we'll talk soon. This was fun. Thanks for having me. All right. Many thanks to Nikki Jabala for her time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Um, more to come this week. And, uh, you know, like I said, Senior Bowl next week. So that will be interesting as well. But for now, that is it. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.